0: It's um, as they're leaving. It's super, such a great honor to be able to be with you guys today. My name is Josh. In case we haven't met today, um, I get a chance to lead Courageous Church, and such a blessing. Uh, but I want to say thank you to your church family uh, here at Harvest Point for allowing us to invade your building each Sunday afternoon at 4:30. And uh, we pray we don't damage it too much, um, or move things, or break things. So far, I think we're doing okay. Maybe we'll see. Um, but we're so glad that we get a chance. You've been such a blessing to us, whether you realize it or not. The fact that you would allow us to gather uh, in this building and celebrate and worship—and um, it's just so neat today. I think to see us come together and worship, and especially with the topic that we're going to be talking about. And if you've got a Bible, I would love for you to grab it. Um, if you don't, it'll come up on the screen as well. Or if you have got a U version, your app, or whatever it may be, we're going to look at John 17. So we're going to spend majority of it today. Um, But just as I was thinking, as we were preparing, you know, there's some topics that are really fun and easy, and I, I, because number one, I like to tell stories, and I like to make people laugh, and there's some that are super easy to do that, and then there's topics like today that don't always lend for a lot of jokes, so if you don't laugh as much, maybe we'll do this again, and next time we can laugh more. Um, I, I just wanted to set it up so you'd be like, oh my gosh, what's he about to talk about? Um, there's nothing crazy that crazy, okay, so it's okay. Um, I just wanted to set that up because Marshall may be watching this right now, and I wanted him to get really scared um, that he thought, what What did I do today, and how would I in the world even think about having this guy ever speak again in our church? But, um, we're, no, today as we think about it, so many times there's things in our culture and our life and things around us. Um, and, and it can be a struggle because it's super easy. I think it's kind of natural, obviously. I think for a lot of us, if we're all honest, it's super easy to be divided. And today we're going to look at that idea of what it looks like to be have unity in a divided world. Because Jesus prayed about this. He was on the cusp of this. And it's funny that he, he stated these words that we're going to read here in just a little bit, you know, 2,000 years ago. But it's almost like so many times that we know that Those things that he was praying for and in that moment, a lot of times we think about it, it was written to this first century church. But it's amazing how sometimes we can read it and go, man, it's like he was peering into today and thinking about us. And and yes, there's a part of the prayer that we're going to see and we're going to read about that that he was. He was thinking about us. There was these things that he had our thoughts and ideas and the struggles he would even face. it's, and as we think about even in today's culture and the things that we have going on, it's super easy to be divided. And we just look around us. I mean, even in the last few years, it was like we were divided. It's like, do we mask? Do we not mask? Do we get vaccinated? Do we not get vaccinated? You know, do we school at home? Do we not school at home? Do we virtual school? What do we do with all these different things? We think about the things that were, there were even things racially that were, that divided us over the last several years, the struggle, you know, and then we think about politically, there's Democrats and Republicans and there's independents and, and we all have these all different thoughts and ideologies and all these different things and it, and it, and it divides us. We think about even, like, the issues of church and state and, you know, religion versus politics and all these different things. And then you get within the church, and I remember growing up, there was, like, this big, like, wrestling match. Not really, like, the pastor didn't get up and fight with the deacons, even though it would have been really incredible as a junior high student to see that. But I remember there was this huge, like upheaval about like where we put the communion table in the church and then there was this big upheaval about where we put the pulpit in the church and like where would it sit on the stage and all these different things or what if we moved it off I remember it was like oh my goodness like somehow that was like God wouldn't meet us here if this wasn't right where it was supposed to be every week or whatever and there were all these different things we'd even argue I remember there was one time we argued like it was literally so like crazy we argued about like what paint we would use on the walls and like I just always looked at that and went like Go to somebody's house, figure out who's the best decorator, and take their opinion because mine doesn't matter because we'll pick something crazy if it's up to me, you know? And yet it's so easy to get divided over things that sometimes I think seem, like in the moment, may even seem really important. Maybe in the bigger picture don't really matter as much as we think they do. It's super easy to be divided. And when we think about this idea that Jesus, when he engaged different topics within that time in his teaching. I believe when he specifically engages issues of that we struggle with, especially, we got to, we can't shy away with those, from those, but we have to engage them. Because the church often, I think it's easy with all the different things going on, personally, culturally, politically, to have division within the church. And yet Jesus directly addresses this issue. Even 2,000 years ago, when he spoke these words in a prayer to his father. Since our church, I believe, and our church's corporately desire for there to be something more than just be a gathering place where we come together, but we argue about all these other things, we desire for unity, but yet it's so easy for us to become divided. And Nothing divides us like our personal opinions, like our political positions, and our desires and preferences. And there's a reason that. It's because of fear. It's because of fear when we find ourselves in these moments. Fear is the struggle that we often, that, that draws us in. You can. The, the reality is you can raise a lot of money because of fear. The news networks make boatloads of money. Peddling fear to us each day by selling us things and making us think that they make lots of money. But what exactly do we When we think about our lives, when we think about these struggles that we find ourselves in, when we find ourselves in fear, I believe there's one of these huge things. It's not just, it's that we fear loss. The loss of control, the loss of maybe opportunity, the loss of wealth, loss of our culture, our freedom, our progress. And we're in in a time, I believe, when in our culture, when everybody's peddling fear, and if we're not careful, I believe as the church, we can fall victim to this. If we're not careful, we'll become divided. I was thinking about this this week for us as we joined together. We're in an unprecedented time of opportunity, I believe, to model to our community and to, even to the country what it looks like to be to do this, to disagree potentially personally, preferentially, and maybe even politically, but we must love each other unconditionally. We can disagree. There will be disagreements. Like, we are people. Just, I don't know, maybe you shouldn't raise your hand, but, like, have you had a disagreement in the last week with your spouse at some point? Some of your hands went up way too fast, okay? Like, we've had those moments. Where we've disagreed, but it doesn't negate our need to love one another unconditionally. Because that's our calling. And even in the body of Christ, it should be so much greater. That we do, yes, we will have disagreements. We won't agree where something should be placed or whether it's my preference or my... I always joke with our people so many times. Listen, do you know we sing songs sometimes? I don't like. And I'm the pastor. Because it's not about me. But it's about a greater purpose. It's about a greater thing that we are called to do and live out. Do we want this, though? Can we do that? And I don't just mean that we tolerate one another or that it's like, yeah, and we eye roll and walk away. But I mean, we really desire this. Do we want this? Are we willing to evaluate our preferences, our opinions, and even our politics through the filter of the gospel? Rather than create a version of faith that supports our preferences and our opinions and even our politics. And I fear that most Christians, we don't. And apparently Jesus saw this coming. He saw this coming a long time ago. Not just for the first century. Because he saw this because there was division. And John records this passage In this prayer, just before Jesus was arrested, that he prays for us. And he was praying for his apostles in this moment. And he had this one request. And I I just think it odd in this moment. You know, it's like God looking down from heaven. All right, anybody got any prayer requests? And Jesus like, I got one. Hold on one second, I got one. And right before he goes to the cross. And this is what he said in John chapter 17, verse 1. It says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may be, that your son may glorify you. See, the hour in which God, I believe, was most glorified, we would have been most horrified in this moment. We would have looked away. You imagine the cross as he hung there. And in that moment, it was the thing no one desired to look upon with as anything glorious. But yet it was the time when God was most glorified. That God never looked better in that moment. And yet, if we bounce down to verse 11, it says this. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. And what's next to me is amazing that most Christians, I don't think we know this, or here's his prayer request right here in this moment. He says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave so that this so that right there is a, is a purpose clause in that moment that we would, that it's that, that idea that protect them from what end, protect them from what, that they wouldn't, because here's the reality, they would be arrested, they would be beaten, and many of them would be martyred for their faith. Protect them, Protect them for what ending? And then it goes on. That they may be, and this is the one prayer request in this moment for his first century followers. This is what he wanted them to be protected. What he wanted them to be protected in this moment. That they would be one as we are one. Unity. Oneness. That was his desire. And yet he didn't stop there. He didn't just stop at that because, he, yes, he wanted them to be protected. So they would be one in that moment, in the first century, that they would be one. That was his desire. That was his request. But if you move on down to verse 20, this is what he says. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message he's praying for us. Those who've heard the message, those who've heard the word, those who've responded to the gospel, he's praying for us in that moment as well too. And what do you think he prayed for us? Probably often not what we would pray for us. Cuz you think about your prayers, what I pray for? God bless this food. Even the Cheetos that I'm about to eat that I know are unhealthy, but I'm going to eat them anyways. Protect, you know, pray for my family. Hey, help me get out of this situation. He prays for all these different, we would pray for all these different things. and Many of us probably never ask what Jesus is going to ask in this moment, which maybe would even explain the problems and the struggles within the church. He said, my prayer is not for them alone, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them, For the first century, the Jews, the Gentiles, the Romans, the Samaritans, the women, the slaves, the free man, the soldiers, the tax collectors, the educators, the wealthy and the unhealthy, for all of them, in the 21st century, I think about this, for the brown, the black, the white, the rich, the middle class, the single, the married, the teachers, the librarians, the upper class, and even the lower class, the privileged, and even the Republicans, and the Democrats, and the independents, and the churches... For all of them, that they may be one. That they may be one. And I'm not gonna lie, when I read this scripture, it seems impossible. Because when we look out and we think about all those different groups, all those different classes, all those different things, all those different, there's so much division, and we go, it's gotta be impossible. It seems like literally there's no way. But Jesus was convinced for the sake of his mission that this was imperative. That it was imperative. It was imperative for the mission to go forward. So for us, we've got to be intentional about making this a reality in the church. It's not easy. It often doesn't come naturally. And I believe that's why he prayed for it for each of us and for all of us to be one but he goes on in verse 21 and he says this, father just as you are in me and I am in you may they also be in us so that and there's another one of those purpose clauses in that moment and do you know what he asked for us the reason for oneness so that we'd all just get along and be happy and no It has nothing to do with us. So that the world, the people outside of faith, the people with a different worldview, the people who don't want anything even to do with the church, that they may believe. That they be convinced that you've sent me. That they believe. He's asking His Father, hey, you would push us toward this idea of oneness. Not for even just our sake, but for the world's sake. So that when they see us, they couldn't help but be drawn in. And listen, Jesus, not long before, just actually earlier in the evening, in John chapter 13 It says this in verse 34 and 35. As Jesus is talking about this, he sets up this new commandment. He says, a new commandment I give to you, to love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. So this was a new command, not a new suggestion. And again, it's not about us. It's about the mission that he would do through us. And when we think about that idea, that we would love one another as he loved us. That he loved us while we were still sinners. That he came and he died for us. That we would love each other just like Jesus loved us. that like, is is mind-blowing when I think about that idea. That he loves us so deeply and we're to love the world like that. many of us we would give up our lives for maybe our spouse maybe even our children maybe even a family member or maybe a really close friend but can you imagine being like jesus and you give your life up for your enemy the people who hate you the people who talk about you the people who don't like you that we would love each other each other and by this, it says in verse 35, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you want to love one another as I have loved you. Man, what a powerful thing. That we would love one another as he has loved us. And that is how the world will know that we're his disciples. That's how they will get it. But let's go back to, verse, to chapter 17 and continue to see here in verse 22. So I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, and I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought into complete unity. Imagine that for just a moment. Like, not preferential unity, Not political unity, but unity of purpose. Unity in all that we do and all that we care about. And then it says, here's again, that it's not about us. Then the world will know that you sent me, and I have loved them even as you have loved me. Man, that the world would know. It, like... It's about the mission. That we would love each other so much so that people would see us. And they couldn't help but say, I want to be a part of that. I want to know Jesus. Because if there's people who love each other in spite of who they are, I believe we could change the world. Because it was in this moment that as Jesus died and he rose again, And after the resurrection, we know the church launches. And here's the unique thing about the church and and Jesus' marching orders for the church. The church in that moment was that we had one purpose. To make disciples. It was super clear. And I believe that he knew we would get distracted if not. And yet isn't it interesting how sometimes we still get distracted even though there's like one thing. It's like, I give you this one thing. I want you to make disciples. That's what I want you to do. And he gave us one message. That Jesus, the Messiah, the King, above all and over all. he came to change things. And he died for us to give us an on-ramp to, a relationship with the creator of the universe. And that's our message. And just simply he gave us one command. We love one another as Christ loved us. Here's the reality your preferences most likely will change. Your candidate will win or lose based on a Tuesday in November, but the church will win or lose based on how we live our lives every day between now and then. So we must not let anything, anything divide us. We must not let anyone divide us. Because listen, there is one who would love to do nothing more than divide us, and he's done a pretty good job for a while now. And we have to resist him. Satan would love to do nothing more than to hold us back and keep us divided because he knows if he can keep us divided, we're off mission. And he can seek in this moment to take ground. But when we, I believe, live on the one mission alone, saying, hey, there's nothing and no one going to get in this way, in our way, we're going to stay together no matter what, that we would fight for it. So why, as followers of Jesus, to an eternal God and King. Would we allow ourselves to be divided. Based on some temporary preferences. That are probably going to change anyways. Or someone who will leave an office at some point. Based on our view. A view that we will probably outgrow. We maybe even will abandon. Why would we let this divide us? From a living breathing you. From the you beside you. From the you next door to you. From the you that you're related to. Why would we not fight? Why would we not struggle? And why would we not sacrifice for the unity that King Jesus prayed for? Why? We can and we should. Let us do it, because this is God's will for us. Two things that I want to challenge us to just to pray, maybe this week. For us to live in unity in a divided world. One is that we as a a body, we as people, that we would pray for oneness. That we would pray for oneness together. And maybe our prayer would even look something like this. Heavenly Father, make us one so that we may influence the world. Heavenly Father, make us one so that we may influence the world because it's ultimately not about us. It's about the mission that he's called us on. Make us one. And the second part to that may be that we would look for an opportunity to love somebody unconditionally. Somebody with whom you may disagree preferentially or even personally. That you would choose to say, you know what? I'm going to choose to love them. I'm going to choose to look past those things that maybe we disagree with because I have a different preference. or I have a different opinion. But we choose to love them unconditionally in the body of Christ. Because I can promise you, across this room... Even in Courageous Church, even at Harvest Point, we all probably have some different opinions. We probably all have different preferences. But we must choose to love one another unconditionally. And sometimes it can be hard. It's not always easy. That may be hard for us. But I believe, listen, in this moment, as it's harder probably than normal to stay together and to be unified I believe because of that, we have a greater opportunity to shine the light of the gospel of Jesus because of that. So for you, you may be here as we kind of throw out our time and finish today. You may see like Josh, like, listen, you're kind of crazy. You're a little naive to think that that's a reality. You don't know who I live next to. You don't know what my boss is like. You don't know the people that are around me. You don't even know my spouse. You don't know the kids that I've raised that Lord, I tried to do my best, but man they are they've lost their minds. You don't know the people that live in my neighborhood. Listen, you don't know the people that I have to interact with every day and you can say, Josh you kind of are naive to even think that this a possibility. But what I'd say is, real I seen maybe look More because, a little bit different, because a first century rabbi from nowhere standing in the middle of the hot Saharan desert with 12 young men spoke these amazing words that is, I believe, a challenge to us as well. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, it says this, and I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not That's naive. But he did. And it did. And we are a part of it. And our oneness is the key to the fuel in our mission, in our generation for him. So, yes, disagree, but love unconditionally. Pray for unity, fight for unity. Don't just think about it. Don't just think about yourself. but Think about the person that's next to you. Can you imagine what our city, what our community, maybe in our homes, and especially our church, if we had complete unity within the body of Christ? I believe you'd see peace and reconciliation between broken human beings. We'd see the end of racism We'd see the end. We'd see people forgive one another. We'd see justice done for all. We'd see love and compassion and mercy shown to others. We'd see freedom from oppression and deliverance from bondage for people. We would see the naked clothed and the poor fed. And I believe we all desire that. The question is, will we fight for that? Will we be willing to look past some differences and love one another? Because that is how the world will know that we are his disciples. And that is my challenge for us today. Because the world is divided. But I believe we can be unified in a world that's divided. We can even be one. So for you and I, As followers of Jesus, will you choose maybe that just maybe you look at people like Jesus saw people and not for your own goodness and for your own comfort, but for the hope of the gospel in the world? That we would be a part of not stopping the mission, but being fuel to the mission's flame as we choose oneness. And unity together. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for who you are and we thank you for our time together. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would be reminded day in and day out that we have one mission. We have one purpose. We have one command. And we would live that out. And we would fight for unity with each other. And God, I have no idea within even in this room or maybe even people online, that maybe right now, right now in this moment, wherever they're at, that they may have had like a disagreement this past week based on a preference or an opinion. Maybe they've even broken relationship. Maybe they're even sitting on one side of the room versus the other because that person that they disagree with is on the other. And maybe what they today need is repent and choose to love that person unconditionally. And we wouldn't just think about our view. We would think about the you that's around us. We wouldn't just think about me, but the person next to me. mission is dependent on it. This was his request.